Hey yo, we about to tear it up. Yo, break for break, break for break, get drunk. This right here is how we do it. Break it down. It's the Breaking Actions Podcast. We break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, a.k.a. the failed homo sapien. And my name is Chris Mitchell, a.k.a. the actual factual. Hey, man, let's get some organised confusion in the building. Let's organise the confusion. Let's yes. organise the chaos, the confusion. Yes. Yes. We are no longer prisoners of war. Come on. Yeah, there will be no more stray bullets. We have... We'll be releasing hypnotical gases. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, listen, yeah, that's a serious title, you know. No, I know. I, I, and if, 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 if our guest is um, a rap rebel, then we're rap, we are podcast rebels. No, definitely, know, definitely. We are, we are against the colonizers. Um, so that's, that's, that's what we are. But we have Prince Poe, uh, Prince Poetical on the Breaking Atoms podcast. And by golly, is it a juicy one. A juicy yeah, one. I, I really sense. enjoyed this conversation. I really, very, I very really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, it was, it's a, it's a, a wide ranging interview talking about the, the making of songs, albums, but also the context behind them, but also hearing it from someone who, who has learned so much throughout his career and is still learning. And then again, passing that information on which is always a great interview right part of what we do here as many of you you know as many as the day one listeners know you know what we're about is information and passing that information on those who are new welcome and you'll get that information but that's what we get in this prince Poe one and uh much love to him he gave us a lot and man if we can get some organized confusion music before the end of the year i will i will be happy i will be happy yeah me too me too me yeah. too what can what can i say man i'm just um I've got crush, kill, destroy, stress going off in my head. So just, just <laughs> ignore me, man. This is Prince Poe, Breaking Atoms podcast. Check it out. It's another special episode of the Breaking Atoms podcast. Today we are dealing with another legend, a rebel of rap attacking those who attack blacks, Prince Poetical himself, <laughs> the legend. Prince Poe is in the building on Breaking Atoms. How are you doing, Look, Prince? Man. I feel great, man. Breaking Adam's podcast. Prince Paul is about to go down. We're going to talk about it. I feel good, man. Another day above ground, you know, and, and there's so much to be thankful for, man. I'm humble and grateful you guys had me on the show. So I had to make sure I sat by the window to get some light. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So people could see me. You, you got the whole setup. You got the whole setup. You got the bucket hat, everything. I mean, you, you're looking, you're looking well. You're looking well. You're looking healthy. And um, you know, like you say, man, another day above ground. We, we you know, we give thanks. You know, that's right. And immense thanks. And you know, it's just about processing things in the right way, man, and, and being able to move forward, man. So we here after all these years of great records and moments and journeys, and I'm just thankful to be here with y'all. Never mind. Please don't mind the. The noise pollution of New York City, because they drive by all day and they're not going to save nobody. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good, man. It's all good. We're used it's to it. Good. We're used to um, it. So, so, Paul, let's, let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, there's someone, there's an individual that would like to always highlight. He's been mentioned on this show before. He, uh, may he rest in peace, Paul C. And uh, we want to start with the legend that is Paul C. You know, he had such an impact in, in the lineage of hip hop. Um, and we want to start with paying homage to him before we pay homage to you. Um, talk to us about Paul C and his legacy and what that means to you and, and also to hip hop as well. Well, you know, it's just ironic that Paul uh, owned a studio in my neighborhood. Uh, it was one of the few 
local studios that we was able to lock in with to try to, you know, to get some recording done. And um, so we, we happened to meet him on a blessed note, you know, it was just, we didn't know, you know, that we was going to be working with such a person, you know. Um, so, you know, of course we booked studio time and actually his brother, Tim, excuse me, did the first session. Um, so Tim actually went to Paul and was like, yo, I work with this group today, man. And they came in with some samples that nobody would even think of using. We going in with Cannonball Adderley, we going to West Montgomery, uh, and so forth and so on, like just different, uh, even Crosby still Nash and Young. Uh, so, you know, just that alone, you know, Tim told his brother like, yo, look, this group is is not no normal group, but they're, they're like on another level. So what happened was Paul ended up uh, telling Tim like, well, I want to do their second session. Like, you know, I, I, I want to see what you're talking about. So he actually was engineering our second session and that was the first time we ever met Paul. You know, we knew about Super Lover C, Casanova Rug, Girls Who Got Him Locked, uh, but we didn't we didn't have the the, the exact impact of what he had uh, implemented into the game at that time. So we we got to know each other during that session, and it was funny because me and Monster was just lyricists. You know what I'm saying? Um, Monster used to actually be a beatboxer at first. We used to make tapes, and I was like, hey, man, this tape is not... And, you know, back then, it was about filling up the whole side of the tape. If you had a 60-minute tape, you wanted to fill up the whole 30-minute side. So I'm like, yo, this is not working out, man. You got to start rhyming. And um, one of Monster's first rhymes was, uh, wake up to the mathematic of an erratic rap, rejuvenator of rhyme is sort of commodomatic. Like it, and it was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. Like, so automatically, I knew that he had a, a, a natural instilled gift of rhyming. At that time, I was a wordsmith. I was, I won two spelling bees and, and you know, uh, in, in earliest elementary schools and I uh, went to like the district school spelling bee. So, you know, moving along, meeting Paul was interesting because, you know, here you got this white guy who's like super funky. So, you know, and, and the way we grew up was different. Like we, we were influenced by Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Depeche Mode, UB40. You know, it, it just goes on. Like music back then was no color lines and it wasn't like all this, this tension going on right now. It was about talent or no talent. It was about the song, how it resonated with you. So Paul was uh, this quirky little white guy that knew about chopping up beats. By the third time we went in the studio, we started seeing Large Professor in the other room, like he was working on like beats and stuff. So Paul already had him in training, but Paul was like, all right, look, before we even finish the song, you guys gotta understand that you cannot be doing 60 bars. So we was coming there doing songs. <laughs> it was like, the hell with song structure, we got rhymes. We got mad rhymes, you know? And Paul's like, nah, it's not how we gonna do this. So he was teaching us how to condense the rhymes how to formulate a song. And he was taking the samples that we have and really putting the drums and stuff to it. And I'm like, yo, he's really funky. So we got close behind that. Um, Paul just being this, this mechanical genius of putting, chopping up beats and putting them together. And, and mind you, back then, he's using a 1200, which everybody knows have only like 10 seconds of memory in it. 
So he's chopping up the kick, the snare, the hi hat. He's doing all that stuff within that ten seconds. So us just seeing that, we was like, hold on, we might have stumbled onto something here. Same thing with how Paul felt. So you know, we developed a friendship uh, during these times, and we started slowly hanging together. And uh, we learned we learned that Paul C had a real big. Fin- uh, he was crazy about James Brown. Like when I say crazy about him, I'm talking about he studied all his music. He knew how to chop them drums up so ill. And we used to just, besides the studio, we started going to his house and watching him chop up beats and stuff like that. We used to just be amazed by production. So that's why we chose to start getting into production. Like, that's dope. We wanna, I wanna know, we wanna know how to do that and chop it. So Paul was like a big influence. And at that time, he was working with Super Love and C Casanova Russ. Steezo was also in the studio. And believe it or not, Ray Benzino, when he was down with the almighty RSO, they used to come all the way from Boston to work with Paul. So it's just all these little quirks that you see and you're like, yo, this dude is pretty powerful, you know? People coming all the way from Boston, you know, and Ray, you know, everybody know Ray and them had money. When it was hustling, they, you know, they had good backing behind their, their movement of music. So it was just incredible to see this guy that we're hanging out with is more incredible than we even imagined. So we're just learning and being around him. Now, what made it kind of tense is at that time, Yusef Hawkins uh, was a young uh, black gentleman that got killed in uh, Howard Beach, which is a relatively Italian, uh, you know, Jewish white neighborhood. And it caused a stir uproar in New York. It, it, It definitely rekindled racial tension. So it was funny hanging out with this white guy doing hip hop during that time. People were looking at us funny. We went bowling together. People was, you know, black people looking at us, white people looking at him, you know, and it was just crazy. But the love that we have for for the music seems to not let that bother us. Like it just became unbothering um, of what was going on around us. We was really into the music. We was really into the craft. So. Yeah, Paul C was a great impact in a lot of ways, and he was working with Super Love C, Casanova, uh, Casanova Rush, uh, Stizo. Um, he started to work with Biz Markey, uh, and he was starting to work with doing mixes on Latifah and uh, Eric B and Rock Kim. So when we was around him, he was more so kind of took us under his belt. We was his, like his personal group. Lars was learning how to be a producer under him. Lars was pretty young, you know what I'm saying? Lars is some years, a couple of years younger than us. So, um, yeah, Paul was was just a, a, a different dude. Like, you, if you if you try to, you know, they say never judge a book by its cover, he will fool you. Like, he, he looks like this, this quirky white guy, and he's like one of the funkiest people that we ever met, ever, ever. Like, I, I haven't met no one. I haven't met no one yet who's more crazy about drums and patterns and, and James Brown and the funk that James Brown had than him. No one. I haven't met no one yet to this point that's more just enthused by that type of music. Paul was dope, man. Um, so after, say, Paul has kind of helped you and, and Monch and, and so many others kind of formulate a, a writing process to song structure, how did your creative writing process develop and how has it, has it remained the same up until this day or has it changed over the years? Well, it changed over the years. I try, we, we've always tried to push past the margin and we also was like, what are we going to offer 
the music industry that nobody else has offered? And that's a strong question and, and, and needs a, a really good answer. So we, we decided to, to do concepts. We was like, let's do concepts. Let's talk about things and, and rhyme from different perspectives than anybody else did. Uh, and, and, and it makes people use their imagination. What helped was me and Mons were students of art. We both like art. We both used to draw cartoon characters and Spider-Man swinging and saving the lady. You know, we used to always draw that as early as elementary school. So when we got to junior high school, we became more familiar. And then when we got to high school, right immediately after high school, we started working with Paul. So the art's history of just being an art lover, it has helped us develop like, yo, let's do these concepts. Let's use words that we understand that other people understand, but they just not are using it in hip hop. And let's bring that to the table. Let's bring concepts. Let's bring imagination. Let's bring vision into this game. And, um, and that's what we did. And it was easy to do with Paul because he's always like chopping. You know, I see, you know, just like uh, when Lars Professor did the Nas remix uh, for AR to tell. You know, you got to have a, a, a like a creative mind to take when Biz said highly recognized as the king of this going. He was saying, I'm highly recognized as the king of this going. And Paul and Lars Professor took highly recognized as the king of this going. Nah, nah, Nas is the king. And 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 I seen that come from Paul C. Um, just the, just the way his his mind was and, and his angles was seeing his chop like you know and he was bringing it into fruition so we tried to do the same thing with wordplay and concepts and and that's how you know we we, we came up with these new different ways of not only bringing a, a, a different concept but challenging people to use their intelligence you know what i'm saying we from the middle of the of the ghetto like you know all my friends sold drugs and made a shitload of money so it's like you know but you had to be smart to survive that environment. The world always try to paint the ghetto as like this decrepit, dark space. Um, but to survive it, you have to be smart. You got to think, you know what I mean? So um, that's what we was focusing on. Standing out, not sounding like no one else because we had likes of Big Daddy Kane and, and, and Kumo D and treacherous three and you know you have all these different elements of just dope lyricism grandmaster Cass, you know cold crush brothers i can go on and on and like houdini you know what i mean like these guys to us was like word geniuses because they was taking their story and putting the song form so we kind of looked at that as like don't fail at if you don't reach that mark you're going to be dissed you're going to be laughed at you might even get uh, instigated with, they might even instigate fights with you. Like, that's how serious the craft was back then because hip hop was the voice of the unheard. It wasn't popular. Nobody cared about it, but we had it in the, in the ghetto because it was our refuge. It was our street church. It was when your friend had new sneakers and you didn't because your parents couldn't afford to get them this week. You got to wait two weeks. That was our go-to where it was no color lines, no judgment, a, no, a, a judge-free zone, and you was able to celebrate life through that. So, you know, um, being around that, about, on that environment also made us want to represent the hood in a different way. Got you. 
Um, one, one thing as a as a, an organized confusion fan, and you've touched on it, is the concepts. Now, I know you guys are big on personification. And for our listeners, personification is giving a voice to objects and things that have no voice. So obviously, Stray Bullet, class, classic example. Um, I'm a big fan of in vitro, where you talk from the perspective of unborn twins. Because I have a niece and nephew who are twins, and I always look at them like, were you guys talking to each other in the womb? It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Um but I always wanted to, to, to know, were there any concepts like that in terms of personification that didn't come to light that you kind of, you know, say we should do this and you never got around to doing? Any, any unheard gems? Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. We've done that from perspectives of, of, of other forms of life, like animals and, you know what I mean? Like one time we were saying like, we was cracking a joke on it. We were saying like, why the why the fuck do we put rubber tires in a, in a gorilla's cage? Like I know a gorilla's like, what the fuck you want me to do with that shit? Like that shit's not in the jungle. That's just a, a rubber tire. Like, but they they use it as their form of playing. I guess that's how we seen it as humans. So you know, it was a long time ago. We wanted to do it from version of like animals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because you know, we always look at dogs as like you know, dogs are very very loyal. And a lot of times I even think that dogs don't even know how to pick the right uh, expression, I would say, because, you know, they say, oh, you can, you can kick a dog, he'll still be your friend. But a lot of times I'm pretty sure when you kick the dog, the dog is like, yo, what the hell is wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? So we always thought about it from that perspective and um, from animals. And then um, uh, we wanted to do something called you're doing too much. And it's just about your, you having the out of body experiences with your, with your true self against yourself of how you moving along uh, uh, with society. Like how you choose to move because you want people to see you in a certain light. You want to be respected in a certain light. And sometimes we used to be like the alter ego, speak from the alter ego. And alter ego is like full of shit. You're wasting time. You're worried about what they're saying. And you're lying. You're lying because you want them to accept you. They're not your real friends because they're not, they should accept you for who you are. That's some bullshit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, little things like that, but not really nothing that we hidden um, that, you know, that's out of the norm. Uh, Straight Bullet and, and Vitro, that was two of the, yeah, it was two of the songs that we really felt like the message has to get across. You know what I mean? Because, you know, if a mother's having twins, you know, if they were born, they would probably have two different kind of personalities, even though they're twins. You know, most most twins do. You know, they they might run together, they might act the same, but there's there's still distinctive differences between them. Um, that's what a mother only knows. You know, especially when they're identical. So you know, we was we was really happy with those concepts, and then hate. Hate was, you know, speaking from an area. And to be honest with you, I hate to say it, it's so scary, but that was probably the easiest song, one of the easiest conceptual songs for me to write from. And, and I, I guess because of a lot of things I've seen and a lot of pain that I've, that I've seen and been through and, um, and the world that we live in. You know, I, we was blessed to uh, have been around people from all walks of life early. Like, you know, we had after school programs that took us to colleges and we was around people of all ethnicities, white, Indian, Asian, you know, and um, that was it. That was a plus. 
when it comes to concepts, because you can't just think the six block radius of your neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? you got to think that there's a bigger world out there. You know, a lot of people, um, if they would, if they would travel and just say, you know, I have the money and they just close their eyes and put their finger on the map and just chose somewhere to go. People will be more surprised of how easy it will be to go there and to learn and to kind of blend in if they would take a chance, but we're so used to being conformed. So that's why we, we try to do the concept thing. So we kind of stretch the walls of hip hop and the culture. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, listening to you guys, it really, it, it really did stretch my mind because I, I always listen to it and I'm like, how do they come up with this stuff and make it make sense? Like you guys, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, that's like alien high level thinking. This is, it's not for, it's not for the simple people. Well, I tell you, um, we have a world full of different people, but the world mostly consists of creators and laborers. You know, um, there's a lot of people who are creators. Creators usually can't keep a cubicle job. It's, it's, too, it's, too, it's too much conforming there. You know what I'm saying? When you're a creator, your brain is constantly going. It's constantly thinking. Already the average, the average mind thinks of 20,000 thoughts a day. So a creator probably is thinking of like 30. So, you know, um, we didn't find it easy. We just found it easy to sit down and say, we need to come up with a concept. We need to, and me and me and Monch actually sat in a room together. We, his moms used to make us breakfast. We used to go over different ideas, write stuff down, take footnotes. Um, stop and take a break and look at a piece like two innings of a baseball game then go have lunch again like we spent time as if it was a job together and I used to go over his house like maybe 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning I'm not going home till like 8 o'clock at night and to the point where he falls asleep and I just go home and come back and continue the next day and I think that, that when people sit down and, and give their minds a chance to just explore and just travel a little bit. I think that people can come up with things that's creative and and um and pushes past the margin of normality. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and then you know also too, you got to realize what we're dealing with too, because like we're dealing with a strange world where everybody's way is the right way, and everybody has the right answer all the time. You know, you look at we say uh, driveway. That's where you park at. But then we say parkway, that's where you drive at. So when you don't ask yourself these questions, just like in London, a dollar is a coin. Five dollars is a certain size. Ten dollar bill in, in euros are bigger than five dollar bills. And and twenty dollar bills are bigger than ten dollar bills. It's like these little things as you go through life, you just start paying attention to you. And you just being mindful of all that's around you, I think that it pushes everybody to be more creative. Good answer. Good answer. I, I want to double back to the first album real quick. I was listening to Open Your Eyes today and I'm a church baby. So I grew up in gospel music. Like I was in my mother's belly when she was directing the choir. That song reminds me of a gospel record. Can you tell me about that song and the, what you were trying to achieve, if, if you can remember? Well, one, one, you know, what people got to remember is that in the history of our people, melanated people, because that's that that includes a wide variety of different tones of people, you know. Um, we had we had uh, in slavery days we had the juke joint and we had the church. 
the people in the juke joint used to, it all was about celebration of life. One was more Christ, one was more spiritual through God. The other one was more of like our small area of freedom, our small moment of feeling free. And so the church always been an influence on all music, um, especially gospel music. Gospel music is a good feel, is a feel good music. It's to, it's to resonate this energy and that energy is to give thanks, right? So I grew up in the church. I, church knew me before I knew church. Um, you know, my dad was a boxer, you know, he used to drink a lot when I was way, way, when I was way, way weak. And um, the church always been an influence. Like, you know, I always was intrigued by the choir and the harmonization of the altos with the tenors and the sopranos. I always looked up to the choir director as like this prophet, you know what I mean? So uh, we was we was influenced by church, you know, we was influenced by by gospel music, it was powerful back then. Uh, um, some of the artists I can't remember offhand right now, but some of this music resonated so much because it was just about the goodness of God. And when it came to open your eyes, we was like, yo, you know, we got some money now, we got a deal. And that was another another uh, uh, attempt to push him past the margin. Like, yo, nobody has done a song with a gospel choir before when it comes to hip hop. Now, not taking away nothing from him, but I forgot his name. Um, the dude who put out his album for free, he's in the commercials, very commercial. Chance the Rapper. Yes. Now, what I didn't like was how the media tries to make him seem like this is the first guy that done it, you know? And the thing is like, they do that also to diminish conscious hip hop as well, you know, and, and we know this, but we've been thought about that because it was more than one reason. One, we wanted to fuse that, that vibe together based off that track that we made. Um, I have found that loop and and it was just like, oh my God, like who played the bass on that? Like, and 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 you couldn't tell me that when they made it, they wasn't thankful. They didn't, they didn't appreciate life. Like they was, they was that, that song was vibrant. I'm talking about the original. And um, so I was like, yo, we should we should do something with the church choir and we can donate some money to the to the church and to the to the people that be involved. Now I, we we thought that all across the board was just all wins, you know what I'm saying? We get to do a good deed. We get to push the margin and work with this choir and we brought them in the studio and it was like fun. It was just all fun. Everybody was laughing and it was just such a good fellowship of any, if anything that came out of that, it was a good fellowship. We didn't know how the public would take it, but we knew that to, to put that element together that it was just about being righteous. This righteous people, you know, people that's wanting good, wanting others to do good, you know, believing in, the, in a higher being, you know what I'm saying? So it came together pretty easy, but it was more fun seeing how everybody was anticipating what was going to come out of it. So that was okay. I, I, I will say this for the record, Poe. When, um, when the media, before I hand over to Summit, when the media was going on about Chance the Rapper and him being, you know, the first to do gospel, I wrote a blog and I expressed my, my displeasure because I know there's other people, there was yourself, 
you know, there's, you know, there's gospel hip hop groups as well that didn't get mentioned. So, you know, I do, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, you, you brought that up. And nothing, and nothing to take away from Chance the Rapper is just that, you know, they, it's like people got to understand the history and understand the music. And it's like everybody's using hip hop and for their own benefit. And now that the world is benefiting from it, you know, some of these, some of these, this information has to be implemented and they have to know about it because it's like somebody taking something and, and kind of sugarcoating it when it was, when it was spinach and, 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 and vitamins and, nutrients in it now they don't put sugar and you know and, and red dye number six you know you're like no 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 so i don't know if that's a good analogy but i'm just saying like it works i get it i get it man i get it <laughs> so that i mean but most important like even with the, the straight bullet and all that stuff one thing that i would say that i take it more as a compliment than a disrespect when when um, that happens. It's just that when the media tries to blow up the artist like that, like y'all don't know y'all artists too well. But when somebody takes an idea from us, a concept, that's a to me that's an immense blessing. That's a that's an honor. It's just sad that it's not uh, it's not normal or it's not of this world to credit people, right? To pay homage to people while they're alive. You know what I'm saying? It's like now life is celebrated more after death than life. You know what I'm saying? It's become really backwards. Credit is important. Credit is important. Um, moving on to stress, it was interesting time. I'm really keen as a, as a fan to understand what kicked off the album in terms of what was the first song recorded for it, what set the tone for it, because there's a, there's a lot of backstory around the album. Um, and and talking about groundbreaking and pushing through the margins, that's another album that you guys did that did that. What was the first song or what kind of kicked off that project that caught you guys into that vein? A numerous amounts of things. Uh, we lost Monster's dad. Uh, but one of the main things that really set that album was the, 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 uh, the imbalances of New York. Uh, it felt very strange that one, you know, it was it was so much racial tension that was was not being addressed. Like New York is an upbeat city. People just come and go as they, they please. But what a lot of people don't talk about is back then, like a lot of businesses wouldn't let you come in and use the bathroom unless you bought a certain amount of food. You couldn't even go in there and just buy a, a soft drink or fries. They want you to buy a whole meal. So it was kind of like bias against using the bathroom. Um, cops was definitely arresting people for peeing on the street. It's like, you know, that that type of, like, I can't use the bathroom, bro. Like, you know, and then to put the cherry on the, on the ice cream was when, you know, cab drivers was being biased, like, if they want to take you or not. Um, the cab driver uh, assaults started coming up. And now it's being used as an excuse now. So now because a couple of cab drivers got assaulted, now they get to pick and choose. And I mean, like, you know, it feels very disrespectful. Uh, we felt very disrespected to come out the studio at one in the morning. And you got, you know, between me and Mons, we got a couple of G's in our pocket and nobody wants to take us back to Queens. We are recording in Manhattan. It's like, at, you know, at certain points, you just be like, damn, man, this is this is outrageously fucked up that because my skin color is dark, I can't get a fucking cab. Like, 
really? Like, you know, and it, and it starts to kick in and then like, when you make these accolades, like signing a deal with Disney, turning down a, di- a deal from Russell Simmons, and and you and you 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 work hard to to create these moments that of opportunity, and you come out the studio and you're like, bro, look, I got all this money in my, and you're showing them the money. That's humiliation right there. Like I gotta show you my money to get a cab, and they still was like, we're not going to Queens, and it's like. But Queens is further and it's more money. They're like, nope, because what you look like, we're not taking you. So that was a lot of tension. And that's what really birthed the song Stress. That's why in the song, you know, if you heard I killed the cab driver, but not like I ever wanted to kill a cab driver. Like I, I never, I never see myself doing harm unless you really truly deserve it. And my and my really truly deserve it is different from other people. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about like trying to do bodily harm to family members or intruding, intruding somebody's house or space. That's something different. But, it, you know, it's a bad feeling when you're young and you're doing the right thing. You're working hard for your money. You're treating people nice. You're, you're, you're treating elders with respect no matter who they are and what, or what, uh, what color their skin is. And it's like you get in the cab and they're like, I am not moving. I'm not taking y'all niggas nowhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's just the harsh reality of it. So it definitely called for a song. We was like, we got to make a song. And calling it Cush Kill Destroy Stress, I think we was just in the studio and we had Buck Wild's beat. And we just was like, we had actually that beat and we had the beat that, that OC used for Time's Up. So we had those two beats was produced by Buck Wild. We was like, yo, we think we like this one. And, um, and, and the person that always at that time, he was he was working on a lot of stuff and always like, so what y'all going to do with that beat? Like, that's Buck Wild, too. He's like, I'm taking that beat. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, cool, take it. You know, but but yeah, that stress came from the tensions of New York, uh, the, the, the racial overtones. And it was just it's horrible, man. To me, it was horrible because it didn't matter. They always say you work. Oh, I seen that coming. Dude, stop short. I seen it coming. Um, people, people um, say, you know, you work hard, play hard, you can get the American dream. And then when you start to, you know, get older, you realize that that's a lot. And it, and it hurts to come into that truth. Like, you're like, no, it doesn't matter that I'm, I'm black. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get my money. And they're like, no, it's not, it's not about that. It's about politics. It's about infrastructure. It's about you know, how things are set up. So stress was a mandatory song to do. Like it was mandatory. Like it, it, it probably was like maybe the second, third song we did off that album straight up. Like it was like, well, we got to talk about this now because it was better to talk about it than to be out in the streets reacting off of it. And then you take it out on the wrong person. You're going about it the wrong way. We're younger. So, you know, we don't understand why we worked hard and we earned this money, why we can't get a cab. That was our attitude. You know, so yeah, it was best that it came out on the song. Fair enough, fair enough. And we should also shout out Matt Reed, aka Matt Do, as well. Um, rest in peace to him. Um, you know, amazing, amazing mind to to create the the cover too. If we move on to to the slickness, Lex Records UK connection now, working with you know Danger Mouse, releasing it through Lex. What are your memories of, of that album? Uh, that was a that was a great experience for me because me and Danger Mouse decided that we're just gonna do the record like 
if you realize I didn't go crazy with the concept of that record, I, I was just like, how about I wake up, I'm gonna write. And that's kind of hard to do too, when you're like being your worst, your own worst critic and you're like, no, I gotta write this. So we just was making stuff as we go along. Uh, we, we recorded at Danger Mouse's house. He was fresh off of the gray album that he produced, which was the cross between the Beatles and Jay-Z. Uh, that's when I realized that controversy helps you. Cause like EMI came at him like, if you don't take it down, we're gonna sue you. And anything you do from here on out, you're not gonna get no money. So, you know, and Danger Mouse is a very cool, gentle type of guy. So, you know, and, and how I initially started working with him is, I produced the record for Jim and I to give it one. Um, he had a song called Funk Soul Sensation that I, I produced. And then he had another song called Brooklyn Kids that Minnesota did, uh, uh, Money Boss Minnesota did, but I ended up doing another song for him called Let Your Body Flow. And, and, and me and Jim, we really had a lot of fun with that song. So Jim kind of brought me in with Danger Mouse on the song, like, yo, I got to do a song with my man, Prince Paul, you know. And Jim brought me in on the song with Copycats on their album, on the, on the, on the Jim and I Danger Mouse album. And then after that, uh, Danger Mouse was like, yo, I need to do a whole project with you. And I said, let's do it. He said, I think I got somebody that's interested. So uh, one of the other interesting things about working on that record with Danger Mouse was at that time, now I'm remembering uh, the towers, the phone towers wasn't as strong and powerful as they are now. So it was times, if y'all remember that you would go certain places and you wouldn't, your signal would be weak, you couldn't get calls. Then you would speak to people like, I can't talk to you until after seven. Cause you know your time, you know, your, your three minutes didn't kick into after seven. So working on music at that time with, with those restrictions, helps you focus more on the creative aspect of what you're doing. Like, I, I would not have want the phones to be as, as powerful as they are now then. Because there have been too many distractions. There would have been way too many people calling and, and yo, what you doing? And I, 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 you know. And so Danger Mouse lived up in the hills in San Fernando Valley in L.A. So once we started climbing that hill, you start losing signal and stuff. So it's like, you had no choice but to lock it. So, uh, one of, the, one of the things that intrigued me about working with Danger Mouse is his door to his studio was like a swinging door of a bathroom. And he called his studio the ladies' room. So for the first two days, I'm like walking past the studio like, I need to go to the bathroom. That's the girls' room. Like, I'm, I'm tripping. <laughs> I actually was it like a ladies' room for like two days, though, like, Two days, because I was, oh, like, you know, one, one thing about me is when I write, I think it's a Leo thing, because we're, like, territorial. Uh, and like, if I came to your house, if I wrote in your kitchen, nine times out of ten, most everything I write would be in your kitchen. Like, it's just my spirits choose the area, and I'm not all over the house, man. Like, I, I, I was raised in a disciplined house, man. My pops an ex-boxer, so he wasn't going for it. And, um... I wrote all my rhymes at his kitchen table, like a dining room table. Like I just, it just, it just drew me there. So I would go from there straight to the ladies' room. But I had to get used to that door being the ladies' room because, like I said, it was a swinging door. It wasn't like even locked anything. And I thought that that was very uh, intriguing. And I think that just these little quirks made the process of creating that record more fun. 
you know, more fun, like doing too much and the bump bump with Raekwon, you know, me and him together was like, who we should get? I was like, you know, we got, we got uh, Prodigy. We, we had Prodigy on the list. We had Raekwon on the list. We had a few other people. And then I, I remember uh, Prodigy quote me his quote and then Raekwon quote me his quote. And I was just like, damn, well, I got to go with Raekwon because it's cheaper. And damn, you know, Prodigy's my man from Queens though, but damn, uh, we got a thick budget because these dudes are spending money and I'm trying to be mindful of how much money I got to recoup back for the company. So um, we ended up going with Raekwon and it was, it was so, it was such an experience, man. Having him come in and like, you know, and like Danger Mouse has this whole literal wall of a mirror and Danger Mouse is like, like a, he's like a cat from a lot of different eras of life. Like he had mad colors in his living room. He had like a green, a lime green, single chair he had like a white sofa you know he had like blue carpet like it was just mad colors and just working on that record i was just like for the first time i wasn't being a critic on myself i was just like whatever you write that just write it i wasn't going back like no no somebody might take this wrong or no they're not gonna like that i didn't do none of that i just wrote it like man just go so it was fun doing a record like that just being free not locked into anything, not locked into concepts, not locked into, yeah, this song is going to be for the girls, uh, this song going to be for all my tough guys out there. Like, it wasn't none of that. It was just like, just writing. Sticking with collaborative projects, you you developed a relationship with Ono, oh mm-hmm. and you did the Animal Serum album, which is another, I think, an underrated gem um, in, in your catalogue. Talk about your relationship with Ono oh and making that album, hooking up with Nature Sounds, all of that. Okay, well, like I said about Danger Mouse, him being like this peculiar but very creative genius of a person, so is Oh No, but on a different level. Oh No um, is probably one of the smartest people I've met. Um, in different terms, uh, I would say we, we saw each other, we met, he already knew I knew his brother, you know, um, the loop pack, which is what they came from, Mad Lib and Oh No and, and, and um, uh, Wild, Wild Child. You know what I'm saying? Dudley Perkins. Uh, they were big fans of Organized Confusion. And I, when I met them, they was like, look, there's nothing you guys did that we don't know about. Like, they, they were students. But just now they're like these students that's about to take this to a whole nother level. So me and Oh No decided to hook up. I went to his house, which is one of the most craziest experiences I've ever had in my life. Because uh, I would say like the average person uses maybe five to 7% of their brain. He's probably using like 12 to 15 uh, just by how he's created. Like, you know, his brain is going so fast. Like this dude can um, make a beat while he's having a conversation with you on the phone. So I, like I'm watching him get phone calls and he's working on the music and he's looking at, he had three screens. One screen is for his music. One screen is for uh, online services. And then one screen was regular TV. And he has all three monitors on. Like he's like a mad scientist. He's got all three on. He wants to know what's going on TV. He wants to know what's going on online. And he's working on the beat. He's rolling weed. He's like doing all this shit. And I'm like looking at him getting tired. Like I'm looking at him like, oh, God. <laughs> I need a nap. Like, I'm, you know, and, um, uh, we started working on music 
And then we came up with the name together, Animal Serum, um, because, you know, it's like we're animals and we need this medicine. We need this serum to keep us controlled because there's a lot of different things going on. So he, he was cool with the concept. I'm, 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 we like, let's go. I'm, I'm ready to go. And one, one of the most interesting things is that we had this argument and it was, it was one of the times that I had to really realize what the person was saying. And one thing I realized is that you cannot get mad at somebody if they see you this great. You might be humble and see yourself this great, but sometimes people can see you this great. So they're going to push past the margin. Yo, what's taking you so long to write? I'm like, bro, I had to be for three weeks. Man, I don't write fast. Like, fuck that, you Prince Paul, fuck that. Ah, ah. And I'm like, yo, what you talking about, bro? I'm going to be out there. We could talk about this in person. Well, whatever. We scream at each other. Then I realized he's just like, yo, bro, let's go. You Prince Paul from Organized Confusion. Do you know what the fuck that is, man? And that's when I realized that I cannot get mad at what he sees Prince Paul at. So I kind of like started pushing myself past the margin. I started taking that as constructive criticism, not destructive criticism or a term of disrespect. And I think it actually made us closer. So he kind of pushed me past the margin and um, made it fun to do that record. And, and the thing is, like, he, rem he remixed, like, four of the songs, like, three or four times. Like, I've heard, like, three or four beats to one song, like, uh, a few times. And I'm like, how does he do that? Like, he remixes the song to still fit your vocals. A lot of times, you know, good and well, we all hear remixes. You're like, uh, sounds a little kind of quirky from the tone of his voice. But it's all right. Nah, not him. He knows how to find that. He knows how to find that, that area. So it was fun doing that record. Still to this day, don't know exactly how many records we sold of that because, you know, labels don't give you the, the full gist of things. But that was a fun record to make. And I thank y'all for saying, like, it, it was a slept on gym because, like, um, Visions was one of my dope songs. Like, you know, people always having all this stuff going on in their head between falling asleep and getting up. And I just spoke about it. You know, that was probably the only really ill concept. And, and Machine Rages on that album really is bugging me out because it's like talking about today, like now. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. You know, I was taking, I was just taking information that I, I was reading about. I just was like, okay, put it in a story form. But it's like bugged how a lot of stuff is coming to fruition. That I mean, your discography is 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 really impressive. Um, from that album, way I just loved hearing you and Sadat X. Like that, just hearing you two on that was Thank just you. like it was Chef's Kiss. It was impeccable. I really really enjoyed that. I'm not gonna lie, it was really because I because I, I also man. think about like Sadat X in the same way, like as a, as a creative mind and the way he rhymes and his schemes, like you, your rhyme schemes, you know, the way you put things together and you're thinking about it. It's almost like a chess, you, got, you guys like chess players. You're always thinking two or three moves ahead, but in your rhymes, right. you're always thinking about two or three, four bars ahead already, right? As you're writing it. So I look at it like that. And so hearing you guys together, we're just like, it just, you know, there's some really good songs in that album. But to me, I was just like, oh, you, you, oh no. And Sadat X, perfect. I um I I I I I laugh at it now, but I used to not know why monsters like let me hear around, let me hear around. He always want to hear my rhyme. But what I also started doing was realizing that we have to 
complement each other. That means you can't sound the same. You know, you got to give people uh, more than one angle to see this concept or to see this vision. And I think that that was really more important to me than anything. Like, you know, especially like on songs like Numbers, uh, you know, I already heard Monty's Ron. That was one of the few records I heard Monty's Ron first because Monty's smart. He knows, he knows how to, let me hear your rhyme. I know you got some, I know you got some bars. And then you hear his rhyme and he goes into his corner and he's like, you know, and, and that's what creative people do. And it's a, it's a friendly competition and, and I, I love him for that. Um, but I used, to, I used to be like, okay, I got to let him write first and see what he got to say because he, he catches a lot of people like that. You know what I'm saying? A lot of his speeches, he caught them because they rhymed first and he's a brother that you you would want to hear what he's writing first a lot of times. Um, just because you want to compliment him, not so much of just the comp- competitive side of it, but you want to give people a song, man. And, and, and if, if we both sound the same, I, don't, I just... I never felt like that was a song. Like I've oh, it's always been my job to make sure that whatever mine sounds like, I'm somewhere else and we bring it together. That was my job mostly to to mesh this 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 uh this fusion of of ideas. Cause you know, even when I when uh Mons one time said, do on the bed and the hand knocked the phone over, a song called Passion. And, he, I, you know, and it was funny to me. Because it's like, oh, wow, he threw the girl in the bed and she bounced and hit her head on the phone. And, you know, I could see it. So my whole rhyme was a little bit more serious than that rhyme on that record. So I, and I did that on purpose. I wanted to make mine a little bit more romantic because his was funny. I loved his rhyme. So I was like, OK, I don't want to try to, you know, try to outdo him on the funny thing. So that's why I think it's very important for any group. That, that's why I love uh, EPMD. I love uh, Brand Nubians because when you heard Lord Jamal, you heard Lord Jamal when you heard Sadat X, and you appreciated them. You know what I'm saying? You appreciate Sadat X voice even more because of how cool Jamal sounds. And Poopop is just, you know, he's the big beat, the big brother. So it's like he had the he had the street vibe voice. So it's like you enjoy hearing them as a group. And I, I, want, I always wanted to follow in likes of groups like that. Mm-hmm. I I had a I had a question here and you you've touched on it. Passion. What album was that recorded for? Uh it was recorded for the first album. Okay. The first album, but we felt like it didn't fit because the first album was very like scientific, experimental, funky, trying to keep a little bit of 70s soul in it while bringing some new sounds in it. And we just thought that it wasn't befitting at the time, but it's online and I have it. I have it. I was always. I thought it was for stress or um, equinox. Yeah, I, it was. It was towards the end of the first album that we came up with. That uh, uh, the equinox was probably the most fun album to work on. It was the first time that we actually was being businessmen and executive producing the record. Um, I think that that's probably the most slept on record out of all three of them. Um, because it starts where it ends. Um, we spent a lot of hours. If you listen to the record, you know, me and Munch got dialogue in the record. We're talking. You hear the windows rage. You hear the, the rain hitting the window. That took hours itself. Just one of the, um, I think I've said this, we've just done a series where 
it's a podcast series and we've done a lot of sound effects and music beds mm-hmm. and the equinox i think is one example of hip-hop sound design because yeah, even with the skits you, you literally feel like you're there and I, I wanted to actually highlight that to you i think it's one of the best examples of sound design man thank you man it was it was so much i'm gonna tell you what made it fun even though it was tedious what made it fun is having monies to be like okay we need to order some Hollywood sound, okay? We don't need to just try to record everything ourselves and be running around and doing stuff in real cheap fashion. And we got some Hollywood sound, and we worked with, excuse me, three different engineers on that record. And it was the most challenging, but the most fun ever. You know, just even knowing that you could take music that far. Um, we were super excited about how the people would take it, but the most important thing, man, was like how we meshed the songs together and and how the narrator, the narrator was like an OG from uh, the Flatbush area of Brooklyn. You know, the way he talked, the narrator with the candy in his mouth just reminds you of that OG that tried to put little courage and words in and give you that tough talk, that, I mean, that tough love that you need at times you need it. So the narration was good. A lot of stories relate to it. A lot of people hustled and 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 and... and you know, and did they think it's in, in ways and means to survive. And that record, like I said, you know, it got the most slept on because Priority kind of dropped the ball on it. Like they, the, the National Director of Promotions went on vacation two weeks after the release. You know, just like little things that, again, still learning as a young person in the business. And you need the National Director of Promotions to, to lead promotions. So, you know, it didn't get the lot of data that, we felt this should have got, a lot of people felt this should have got, but the body of work is still there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got one last question to ask before we wrap up. A quick update. You mentioned Walt Disney before. When can we expect the first two Organized Confusion albums on streaming? And have you got the rights from Mr. Walt Disney? Well, right now we're working on that. Uh, I got a publisher, administrator on that right now. Um, I spoke to Monch about it the other day and told him I got, I got somebody on it right now. And the most important thing right now is bringing it back out and how will we bring it back out? Will we, like, I know Will I Am, it was a blessing. Will I Am say, yo, if y'all doing any remixes on that record, I want it. So I'm just trying to think if I should, if should we bring it back out in a bigger and a better fashion or should we bring it back out as a classic? But I think that for guys like you, y'all are connoisseurs of the music. Y'all, are, y'all been masters of the music for years because y'all have been listening, supporting, you know, uh, you know, buying, and it makes y'all masters of the music. So for you guys, I'm just hoping that we can do something that will be pleasing to y'all and say, okay, I heard that, but I didn't know they did a remix on it and they flipped this, that, and the other. I think that that will, that will put a, a good feeling in y'all hearts. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's what's important to me and to Monch, like for people to say, yo, Never in a million years I would thought they'd do a remix to Straight Bullet. You know what I mean? And um, we also have an unreleased song called World Reaction. I'm going to drop that on a vinyl uh, at the end of the year. It's a song that never came out. It's a, it's a fun song. It's fun. So it's, you know, as soon as uh, we, get a, we get everything done, I'm definitely going to tap in with y'all and I want y'all to have it. But it's just a fun song. But we are styling, going back and forth. It's just fun to hear it. And we sampled the... Uh, catch the beat drums. And it's either between me or one of my boys named Neek that produced it. Because me and Monster was trying to break down like, okay, at that time, we was on our Il Rallo sound, which was a 
group that we had. We had like an Il Rallo sound where we brought back, make the world react. We all sang it together like the, you know, the Grandmaster Flashes and the, you know, the crew. We was bringing back the crew sound in our, in our way. And we had broke it down like, yo, either you and Neek did that beat, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, so we're going to drop that in the year. So uh, I'm working on two solo albums. One is an experimental record with a, a dude named DJ PJ GJ from overseas. He's not even a producer. He's a guy who likes to produce. So I'm going to have my fun with that, trying to talk about some different things, go off the edge with that one. And then I'm doing a solo record. But there will be some new organized material done. Definitely for sure. Excellent. That's what we like to hear, man. Yeah, that's, that's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. And the way we're doing it, me and Munch is like, ah, I did that. What you gonna put on that? Like we kind of like doing the 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 whole backwards and forwards of this is what I see. Do you see that vision? And that's the same thing with uh Smash for the for the uh Animal Show album is that that was my version of Fudge Fudge modernized mixed with the Cotton Club. Wow. That was and at first Munch didn't like it. And I, I'm going to wrap y'all with this because I want y'all to have this for your podcast. I, I hit Monster up. I said, look, I got this song. It's going to be like the new Fudge Fudge meets Cotton Club. He's like, yeah, 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 send it to me. I sent it to him. I don't hear from him for a day. I speak to him. He's like, ah, I'm not really feeling it, bro. I'm like, what? He's like, nah, I'm not. It ain't really resonate with me. Right? I said, I feel you. I feel you on that. So I sent it to OC already. OC was like, yo, I'm going to start writing to this tomorrow. So OC sends me his rhyme like maybe four days later. So O was like, y'all can write something different if that's not. I was like, no, 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 no. I like the way you did it. You have fun. He said about uh, Yao Ming's arm love, the tail of the tape reaches. I was like, that's it. I like it. I'm good with it. So a week later, Monch hits me like 7.30 in the morning. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yo, I, yo, this, yo, I got it. Yo, I got a treatment. This is, I got the way the video should go. So I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, the beat you sent me last week. So in the back of my head, I'm like, but he didn't like it. So I don't say nothing. He's like, yo, I got a video treatment. Now he jumped on a beat and wrote his rhyme, but he already made a video treatment for the song. So I was like, and his video treatment was way more crazier than the one we actually did. So then I said, okay, well, when you gonna lay it? He's like, I'm gonna lay it probably like two days. So he, we land at the same place, but at two different times. So then he's like, but I don't think OC is going to want to get on it. So I just start laughing. I'm like, what do you mean OC's not going to want to get on? Oh, already has his version, bro. Like, you know what I'm <laughs> so that was the funny thing about it was, when we said that I don't see O wanting to rhyme on this, I'm like, bro, you're bugging because I already got his verse. Got it before you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> For you. And he killed it. So, you know, that was what that song intended for, just to have some fun again. And that's why we did the video kind of zany like that, man. So I appreciate y'all for even like having me on to tell my stories. Bro, let me tell you something, man. You are one of, I'm an MC and in the back of my mind, I've always got organized confusion because you guys deal with high level concepts and just the way you guys flow and the way you write, it's something I always aspire to. It's almost like this bar that I'm trying Uh to reach and I may never reach it, but it's an aspiration of mine. It's always in the back of my mind, like, Organized confusion, cellar dwellers, those you know these types of people, like you're 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 high on the list, um, and we want to celebrate you because you as Prince Poe, you you have contributed a lot to the game by yourself and as part of a, a, a legendary duo. Thank you, brother. And I'm gonna tell you like this: we had an artist named Tony Bones, and I'm gonna tell you, man, I am very jealous of that 
that that British accent, man, it's just that <laughs> I rhyme and say certain shit. It sounds so regal, and at times it sounds sexy. I'm like, yo, they get all the women. <laughs> I will, I will say this: when I do come to when I do come to America, I, I'm married now. But prior to that, you know, I'd go to Burger King, get extra ketchup, just off the strength of the accent, you know. So it, it works. It works. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, I salute you on that. Tony was from um, the UK as well, man. He was one of the dopest MCs we worked with that never came out. His name is Tony Bones. You can look him up on online. <laughs> He got a song called Come Upstairs that I produced. Oh, man. And what he mean by Come Upstairs is use your mind. Okay, I'll check him out. I'll check him out. Thank you so much for your time, bro. We appreciate you, man. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything, man. Please. Much love to Poe. Um, man, I'm looking forward to that new music. Yeah, me, too. Two, me too. Me Two solos. Two solos and maybe some organized confusion music. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, the thing I'm, with organized confusion though is that they were so ahead of the curve that they can put stuff out now and it will sound like it's made now. Well, yeah, because the, the some of the concepts of of uh, of, of the, some of the songs that didn't come out mm-hmm. could still be you know could still work today. Word. Right? Word. And that word. that's that's a high level. That's elite level. MC wordsmith, it's it's different. It's different class, and you're right. They could do things now, and it would still sound relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to encourage our listeners though. Like, if you haven't checked out the Slickness album, yeah, please do. It's a great album. It's got like J Zone, Madlib on production, Danger Mouse. It's also got MF, MF Doom on there as that's well. Right. So I think that's, right. that's one of MF Doom's maybe lesser known collaborations. But it's a great album, and check out Animal Serum. I think I, I said it. It's a slept on gem in Prince Poe's discography. And I think in terms of Ono's discography, it's really key. Just considering the trajectory that Ono's had in recent years as part of Gangrene and, you know, Ono's one of those, he's, he's top tier. So um, check out the Animal Serum album, highly recommended. And I just think that they work so well together. Like they do. Poe sounded so incredible on, on that production. Like mm-hmm. it was really, it was stellar. It really is stellar. But yeah. you know, there's Percy P. There's, I mean, imagine to yes. yourself, yes. think to yourself, like Percy P. Monch, Poe. They went to the same high, like high school buddies, bro. Like the same area. Like this, bro. Is, can, I can imagine if I was in a school like that, it would be a headache. Mad headache. Imagine like I'm trying to come to school in it and do my Pythagoras theorem. And I got a oh man, I got a rhyme for Percy after school, yeah, yeah, man. Like, yeah, nah, yeah, that's yeah, headache, yeah. bro. It's I can't diff- deal with that. It's I'm different. not doing and, that. And it's it's still so good that they still have that camaraderie enough to to work with each other, be mm. on each other's projects, you know, work on Ray with work with Ray West and, and like in just in that mold and um OC of course, friend of the show. So Yes. Yes. It's really it's it's really good and yes. I, yeah I can't wait but uh, man that was a great conversation um much yeah, love to, to Prince Bo he he gave us a lot and I learned so much more and the thing about interviews for me anyway I always want to come away learning at least one new thing and I yeah. certainly learned a lot more than I knew about Prince Bo and organized confusion me and, too. and me the too. legacy they left so me too yeah much much love to him you can follow us on social media at Break the Atoms Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Break the Atoms Kinetics Personal is at I Am Kinetic Minds is at A Hip Hop Chronicle we will be back with yet another interview next week but until then peace peace <laughs>